Well, I'm not Barry. Um, and if you ever wonder uh, how much your boss trusts you, um, if he calls you the night before uh, and says, hey, I've got a, a meeting tomorrow where all my bosses are going to be there. I need you to step in and take my place. Um, so I feel pretty trusted this morning. Um, hey, we're going to dive in. Uh, ben read a scripture for us, and Renee um, was talking about uh, the transfiguration. And we're going to look at those two things this morning. We're going to look at the two extremes of, of our faith. We've got the mountaintop and you've got the wilderness. And those two things, uh, they don't exactly go together, but in both of those places, we encounter God. And if we had defined the word encounter, it's an unexpected or casual meeting with someone or something. Unexpected or casual meeting. So in your, in your mind, think of the most famous person that you would ever want to meet. You don't have to shout them out, but just think about it for a second. And if you walked out these doors today and you go to lunch and they're sitting at the table beside you and you're just like, what would your reaction be to seeing that person? So I'm a gigantic Liverpool fan, okay? I'm a huge soccer fan. I love Liverpool. I even brought my scarf. I just forgot to bring it up with me. So I'm a, I'm a huge Liverpool fan. And they come to the United States. For those of you who don't know, they're based in England. They come to the U.S. maybe once every two or three years. Um, and I've got some pictures because, look, I got to go um, when they were in Charlotte. I got to go a couple years ago, and I got to meet. And you guys are like, who in the world are those people? We have no idea who they are. But to me, that's Navi Keita on the left. He's a center midfielder for Liverpool. And then that's Andrew Robertson right there. He's like the best left back in the world, right? And so I got to meet these guys. There's one other picture, I think. There you go. That's Steven Gerrard. You can Google him, one of the greatest midfielders to ever play the game. So for me, I was like fangirling. I was like, oh, my gosh, I get to meet them. Like, what am I going to do? And keep in mind, like, I was like 30 and these are like 23-year-old guys that are professional athletes. I'm like, that's an honor, sir. Like, they're like, dude, you have kids. Chill out, right? Like, but for me, I'm like, oh, my gosh. These are guys I grew up watching on the television. These are guys I saw just dominate the game. These are some incredible people. And something you don't see behind these pictures, first off, my wife also took a picture here. This is Martin Skirtle on the right, Okay. He's not smiling at all. And there's the picture with my wife, and he's like, I'm like, what's the deal? What's the deal? So anyway, these guys, and there may be one more picture of Liverpool. Yeah, that's actually my office just across the parking lot. That's, that's the wall in my office. So I'm a huge Liverpool fan, and now here's the deal. Those pictures, they didn't just happen by chance, okay? I got to go to Charlotte. I'm in Charlotte. We meet some friends, some other like-minded people. They're all like, oh, yeah, Liverpool, we love it. We're excited to see them play. We can't wait. Guys, we literally found out what hotel the club was staying at. Okay, we go to an open training session. Our friends get us in that we met up in Charlotte. We're like, this is so cool, behind-the-scenes stuff. We found out the hotel they were staying at. So as soon as the game was over, my wife and I, we go to this hotel because there's like a bakery bistro in the front of the hotel. So we're like, we go, we buy like one muffin and we're going to split it so that we can be sitting in the front of the hotel as the club starts to walk in, and we're like, oh my gosh, look, it's Raheem. Oh my gosh, look, it's so-and-so. And they're just walking past us, and we're like high-fiving people. I'm like, this is awesome. Go back, fast forward a couple years later, one of our interns, Josh, uh, he's the one that went with me um, to see a couple of those pictures there. Same thing, found out the hotel, 
we found out they're going to have an open training session. So what did we do? We placed ourselves in a place where we knew we would encounter those people. We put ourselves in that situation on purpose so that we could meet and we could encounter those people. Do we do the same for God? Do you have that same reaction when you encounter our Lord? And so for a lot of us, man, we only feel like the presence of God. We only feel that, that powerful movement of God maybe on like retreats, maybe on trips where we kind of get out of our normal, get out of our routine, let our hair down a little bit. Maybe for you it's, a, it's an unexpected blessing at work or, or somebody encouraging you. You're just like, wow, I needed that. I can see how God used that. Here's the thing. Our lives as Christians should be a life that is constantly seeking to encounter God. We should constantly seek to encounter God. Now, hear this. That does not mean that, there are not, there's, going to be, that there's not going to be times in your life where you just don't feel Him. That's going to happen. So this morning, let's dive in. First thing we're going to look at, the mountaintop. And that's everybody's favorite place. Whew, I feel the presence of the Lord. This is incredible. It's in Matthew 17. I know on the back of your bulletins, it says 1 Peter. That was Barry's sermon. That one's, that one's next week, maybe. I don't know. But we're diving in Matthew 17. So here we go. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and he led them up a high mountain by themselves. There he was, transfigured before them. Jesus' face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as the light. Just then appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll put up three tents, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, and he said, Get up. Do not be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. Matthew 17. There is a crazy picture happening. There is a crazy moment happening on this mountain. Something that no one has ever seen before. Okay, if, if you guys are sci-fi nerds like me, 1977, an incredible movie came out, Steven Spielberg, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, okay? And if you have ever seen this movie, for those of you that haven't, I'm sorry, that's okay. Um, you can watch it this afternoon. Here's the deal. This movie, they start picking up all these weird signals. Weird things happening on airplane pilots, weird things happening on radio waves. And they pick up these five little notes, and they're like, man, somebody's trying to communicate with us. Somebody's trying to say something to us, and they're figuring out there's some kind of life form outside of the world that is trying to communicate with us. So this whole movie is them trying to figure out who it is, what's going on. And it all culminates in this one scene at the end of the movie where this big ship comes down. They finally figured out the code. They play these five notes. It sounds something like this. Okay, some of y'all are like, whoa, nostalgia, right? So 
here's the deal. They're playing these notes. Everybody there is like, this is absolutely incredible. We've never seen anything like it. There's a spaceship literally 100 yards from us, and it's communicating back with these notes, and everything's playing, and everybody's like, this is crazy. You got all these scientists using terms like quasars and stuff. I still don't know what that is. So here's the deal. It culminates. The door opens. Bright light shines. Everybody that's there is like, oh my goodness, we don't know what's going on. They start to run back. They're freaking out. Man, what a picture. What a picture. It's like that whole movie leads to that moment. When they say, yes, I'll follow you, Jesus. Six days prior to this, Peter says, Jesus, you're the Son of God. You are the Messiah. You are the Most High. And then it all culminates. Come with me. I've got to show you something up on this mountaintop. As the notes are playing, if you've seen the movie, as those notes are playing, NASA's playing these notes to the ship, the ship literally interrupts the notes and finishes the sentence with those notes. It's almost like Peter sitting there talking and God's like, now, nah, Peter, be quiet. I got you. Peter's like, Lord, this is great to be here. And God's like, Peter, be quiet. This is my son. Peter's got a lot of foot and mouth syndrome. And then Jesus shines bright. And as soon as Jesus shines bright and that bright cloud comes and that voice cloud, what do the disciples do? They're terrified. It's just like in Close Encounters. The people run. Oh my goodness, this is terrifying. In the movie, if you've ever seen the movie, there's one lady who's probably on drugs, but she's listening to the music and everybody's dancing, and she's just like dancing. Woo, this is great. This is awesome. I was like, that's Peter. Peter's like, it's so good to be here. Woo. I love this. And Jesus is like, Peter, you're missing it, dude. You're missing it. All the people, their jaws are on the floor. The disciples, what is going on? Jesus is before us, transfigured. He's showing that he is not just some man, some good teacher, but he is God in the flesh before us. And I love it when it's all over. They're terrified. Their faces are on the ground, and Jesus comes and says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Get up. We got work to do. So we look at this passage in Matthew 17, and it's the first thing you reread is it's early in the morning. All right? Like, I don't know about y'all, but if somebody woke me up and said, hey, it's early in the morning, I really want to go hike up a mountain. <laughs> you can get somebody else. Hiking up a mountain is not the thing that I'm like, first thing in the morning, you want to hike up a mountain? Woo, let's go. These guys are fishermen. They're used to being up super early in the morning. But what does it say? He wakes them up. Come with me. He takes three. What about the nine left behind? Something you need to realize, every time you're going to have that mountaintop experience, there's going to be somebody else that's, well, why didn't I get to go? What makes you so special? Jesus tells them, hey, when we come back down, don't tell anybody until after I'm raised from the dead. I guarantee they come back down the mountain and you got nine other guys there. Hey, what happened? Tell us. Oh, why won't you let us know? You're going to have some negativity even in those mountaintop moments. Jesus is transfigured before them. And who's there with them? Moses and Elijah. For us, it's kind of like, cool. Two old dead Jews. Okay. For them, Moses the deliverer. This is the guy that led their nation, freed them from the Egyptians. This is a big deal. Peter, that's why he says, let's set up three tents. One for Moses, one for Elijah, one for you, Jesus. 
because Moses is a big deal. He delivered us. And then Elijah, considered to be the greatest prophet, the greatest prophet that Israel had ever seen, the one who spoke the law, who spoke the words of God to the people. And Jesus. Man, Jesus is the culmination of them both. He's the prophet. He's the deliverer. He's the savior. And Peter, man, it's good to be here. Let's just stay here. Man, let's just stay on this mountain, man. We all do that. We encounter God and we're like, I'm going back there all the time. I'd live there if I could. I would just stay in that place. We tend to do that. If you're a student, it may be the happening or the gathering. If you're an adult, it may be like Emmaus, Chrysalis, If Gathering, Fight Club, maybe a mission trip. Man, I feel the presence of God in those places. I just want to stay in that place. And God interrupts Peter. Uh-uh, can't stay here. Life's not supposed to just be lived on that mountaintop. He says, Peter, this is my son. Listen to him. Listen to him. And it's a big deal that God's voice, that God's presence was there. Because the Jewish nation, here's the deal. Only one person every year got to go into the presence of God. One person, the high priest, right? Weeks and weeks of cleansing. And if he wasn't cleansed of his sin, if he wasn't righteous before God, he could walk up in there, fall down dead. They would put bells or a rope around his legs so that if he was unclean and walked in the presence of God, they could pull that man out. Here's the deal. When they fall on their face... It is because they realize we are in the presence of God and we may literally die. It's the same example that Isaiah, when he's in the presence of God and he says, Woe is me, woe to me, I am ruined, I am done. But that's the beauty. God is there, they're there. And who's the intercessor? Jesus. Get up, don't be afraid. Because of Jesus, something that was so far off, so far away from us, is now right in our midst. Because of Jesus, we have access to the Father. And then it says they came down from the mountain. They didn't stay there. As much as we want to, as much as we love those moments, they didn't stay there. Because they have to come back and they have to live life in the wilderness. See, every encounter with God begins and ends with Jesus. Jesus makes it, makes it so that we don't have to be afraid of the presence of God. Should we revere him? Should we respect him? Yes. We should be in awe of him at all times. But again, this happens after what? After Jesus says, follow me. Follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. Hey, get up early in the morning. Follow me up this mountain. Every time those men said, all right, I'll do it. Matthew 16, 16 is when Peter proclaims that Jesus is the son of the living God. You are the Messiah. And it's six days later that he gets to see Jesus in his full glory. So I tell you this, this morning, that the mountaintop starts with acknowledging that Jesus is who he says he is. He invites everybody here, everybody in this world to follow him. God sent his son to show us how to live. Live a sinless life for us and then take our punishment so that we could have life to the fullest. 
maybe you've never made that decision, you know what, I'm going to follow Jesus. I want to encounter God on the daily. Don't leave this morning without talking to Ben, talk to me, talk to the person in the pew beside you. Encountering God starts with following Jesus. So we're on this mountaintop. Next part is what? We got to come down. You got the valley. Pretty cool. A lot of times we read about valleys in Scripture. Most of the time we read about valleys in Scripture. It has to do with war and death. And then sometimes you've, you've got streams. And, and so valleys are pretty mixed, right? You got good things happening in the valley. You got bad things happening in the valley. When the Scripture that Ben read for us, it's not a valley. It's the wilderness. There are exactly zero times where the wilderness is equated with, oh, this is going to be great. Okay, the wilderness is a, is a terrifying thing. The wilderness is barren. The wilderness is, has beasts. It has, it's considered, hey, God's presence, not really there. We know that God's presence is everywhere. The Israelites, where did they have to wander for 40 years? The wilderness. Where did the crazy guy John the Baptist live? The wilderness. It was not equated with, man, this is going to be great. I just want to go hang out in the wilderness. But that's where Jesus goes. So if every part starts with Jesus, um, we're, we're, let's look at the wilderness now. So if I was to ask, um, how many of you think girls take longer to get ready for a date? Okay, some of the ladies are like, yeah. Yeah, here's the deal. Abby and I, when we get ready to like go out or something, she'll, I'll let her get dressed first. Because I'm like, what are you wearing? And she's like, oh, just something like this. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll take my t-shirt off and put on a button-up. Ta-da, I'm done. That's it. Like, that's... That's as, that's as, as hard as, I'm getting nods in the back, like, must be nice being a guy. All right, so I had a college roommate, some of y'all may know him, I'm not going to name him, but I had a college roommate who, he would get ready to go out, and he would literally be like, Corey, is Abby here? I'm like, yeah. He's like, Abby, come here. And he'd be like, how do I look? Is this, is this good? Is this, and she'd be like, yeah, looks good. Okay, thanks. He takes longer probably than like any girl that I've ever met to get ready to go on a date. But here's the deal. We prepare ourselves, right? When we want to impress somebody, if we're going to spend time with somebody, we prepare ourselves to, to enter into that. Whether for guys, it's like, all right, I shaved. Whether it's I combed my hair, we still prepare ourselves. We want to present ourselves. We want to spend time with that person. Here's the deal. Relationships take practice. They take time. They don't just happen. Yeah, we're best friends. We've never talked before or spent any time together. That doesn't happen. So in order to get to know someone, in order to grow with someone, you got to plan to spend time with that person. My wife and I, uh, our senior years of college, we started dating, and, well, we spent time together and started to figure out, okay, on these days she has this class and she gets out about this time, so I'm going to plan to have that time free as well. Or times like, hey, she has Chinese. I don't know what kind of weird person takes Chinese as an elective, but my wife did. So she took Chinese, and I would literally like sit outside of the class waiting on her to get out because my class got out before hers, and they'd be in there doing all their symbols, and they like did breathing exercises. It was crazy. But she, she knows exactly what I'm talking about. I would plan my time so that I could be there and meet her, and we could grow that relationship. It's the same thing with Jesus. It's the same thing with Jesus. The disciples spent three years with Jesus daily. Three years they walked with him. If we want to encounter God on a regular basis, not just on the mountaintop, then we've got a plan to spend time 
with him. I've got a clip I'm, I wanted to show you guys. Two souls with but one shoe. Then how can you belong to that silly woman haters club? You know, I'm a woman. Sort of. Let me tell you something, Darla. I'm not like those guys. I'm a sensitive male. I'm into sharing, caring, feeling, and healing. I'm in touch with my feminine side. How nice. It's worse than I thought. You know, Alfalfa, the big talent show with the fam is coming up. And I was sort of wondering if maybe you'd like to sing with me. You mean it? I'd be honored. Hey, I've got an idea. Let me take you on a picnic tomorrow. Excuse me? The way you feed my soul, I can feed your face. Cool. ever wonder why I don't sing in the choir <laughs> that right there because that's what I sound like here's the deal alfalfa he tries to impress alfalfa he chooses Darla over his friends alfalfa he's willing to miss out on the fun swim day I'll forego that to spend time with her and he plans to spend time with her again let's do lunch the next day is that our relationship with Jesus do we live to impress him? Do we live and choose him over our friends? Are we willing to miss out on some of this fun that the, the world is showing us, the world is having to follow him? And do we plan to spend time with him? Here's the deal. In Luke 4, 1 through 14, Jesus is in the wilderness. And he shows us a beautiful example of some of the spiritual disciplines that we need to, to put into place. And spiritual discipline is just a fancy word for practices that draw us closer to God. Practices that draw us closer to God. Because look, if you want to be good at anything, you got to practice. If you want to be good at a sport, you practice it. Parents, you want your kids to be good at something, you have them practice it. Whether it was like when I was in grade school, it was like practice your cursive. We don't even do that anymore. 
But it's sports, you practice it. If you want them to follow Jesus, practice that with them. So here's the deal. The first thing we see with Jesus is he fasts. He's in the wilderness. He's in a place where God is not usually connected with. He's in a place of of lowness, a place that most people don't want to go. It's far different than the mountaintop. But what does he do? He fasts. Fasting is a practice that give, of giving up something in order to more fully rely on God. In first century Israel, there was really nothing to give up other than food. That was the thing you could focus on. So when one became hungry, what they would do would be a reminder. I need to spend some time in prayer. I need to focus on the Lord. I'm not telling you to go and starve yourself so that you can focus on God. But we can fast from other things other than just food. Maybe for us sitting in this room, maybe some of us need to fast from our phones, social media, sports, friendships, especially toxic ones, TV, Netflix. Some of these things in our lives have become idols that we need to fast from in order to grow closer to the Lord. The next thing we see is that Jesus uses Scripture three times when Satan comes at him in the wilderness. Satan says, hey, turn this stone to bread. Jesus says, nope, it's written. It's like the Snickers commercial. You know, you're not you when you're hungry, Jesus. I know you're pretty angry and hungry right now. Jesus says, no, I've got this. I'm going to rely on the Lord. The second one, he says, if you worship me, I'll give you all of this. Everything you see, and again, Jesus answers him with Scripture. The third time, Satan catches on. The third time, Satan catches on. He says, hey, I'm going to use Scripture this time. If you throw yourself down, Scripture says that the angels will catch you. You won't even bruise your foot. The angels will catch you. That's what Scripture says. But Jesus doesn't fall for it. Why? Because he knows the Scripture. He knows the Scripture. So here's the deal. Do you spend time in the Word? Do you know the Scripture so that when you're in the wilderness and you want to encounter God, and Satan's coming at you, can you stand strong because you know Scripture? Real easy, if you're taking notes, don't have a lot of time left, but if you're taking notes, a real easy way to study Scripture, use the word soap. Scripture means read your Scripture. The O in soap, observe that Scripture, means just write down everything you see in that Scripture. The A, apply it. What does that mean for me? What can I learn from that? And then the P, pray about it. Pray about it. And the beautiful thing about that, Jesus in the wilderness, says in verse 14 and 15 that he returned in the power of the Holy Spirit and he was being glorified because of what he was doing. And the last thing is prayer. Man, prayer. That's a practice that will draw you close to God. The thing we hear on the mountain, this is my son, listen to him we're not communicating with him how are we listening to him the hardest night of jesus's earthly life in john 17 he prays he prays that god would be glorified do we pray that in the hard times he prays for his close friends he prays for all believers if you need an example of how to pray and where to pray look at john 17 it's a beautiful example for us Man, there's so many other spiritual disciplines. These three are not the only three. There's so many other ways that we can encounter God. We do worship pretty well. Worship is totally a way that you can encounter God. It's a spiritual discipline. We do that well here. 
It doesn't have to just be here. You can worship anywhere. Service. If you want to encounter, if you want to have that moment, and you want to feel the presence of God, serve other people. Whether that's on a mission trip, whether that's somewhere locally. I mean, you had our students just blew the doors off the place just last weekend. I was thinking, hey, we're going to get four or 500 cans. We do this canned food drive. We called Madcap, who we partner with here. And they were like, yeah, we're low on canned vegetables. I'm like, sweet, let's, let's do that. We can do that. Our, our students can serve, gather some, some canned foods. And I know Barry came in here last Sunday and was like, yeah, we have like 2,500 cans. Well, that's just the last count. We, have almost, we had almost 4,500 cans that we turned into Madcap um, this week. That was because of the students said, you know what? This D-Now weekend, we're going to serve. And just like Jesus, when the disciples said, hey, there's people that are hungry, let's send them somewhere to get some food. Jesus said, no, we're going to feed them. And so many of y'all participated in that, but we said, no, we're going to feed them. We're going to feed them. So serve. So in this beautiful, beautiful picture, we've got this mountaintop experience. Man, this is incredible. This is awesome. This bright light. Jesus is who he says he is. He is glorified. And then Jesus in the wilderness, the place where God is not, so they say. The beautiful thing is Jesus is in both places. And when we're in the wilderness, and sometimes we don't feel the presence of God, Jesus has been there. But he fasted. He prayed. He read scripture. So if we're serious about following this, this Christ, the Messiah, how are we practicing that each and every day? Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for your word this morning. Thank you that you are who you say you are. And God, we just pray that if we're in the wilderness, that you would show up. God, if we're in the wilderness, help us to see you. God, maybe we're on the mountaintop. God, help us to listen to you as we go back down into the valley. So God, be with us this morning. Be with us as we go throughout. Help us to shine the light of Christ throughout our community. In Jesus' name, amen.